Hello, dear friends. We are welcoming you at the round table. This table is a continuation of the international conference, Global Crisis. This already affects everyone, which was held on July 24th and was simultaneously translated into 72 languages, including the sign language, by volunteers from all over the world. People who are proving with their actions that unity is really possible. Many topics were raised and... Unfortunately, not of these topics uh, were discussed in such a detail. And we have this possibility right now to discuss uh, this topic with experts from different areas. And uh, we understand this, that it, this information is of urgent importance to everyone. This is why on December 4th, we'll have another conference, which is named Global Crisis, Time for the Truth. Hello, dear viewers, and hello, dear participants of our today's roundtable. Uh, I just want to uh, let you know that today we will be talking about several topics that were actually raised during the conference, such as environment, climate, and basically the ecological and climatic crises that are taking place right now in the world. And we will try to answer the questions are we as humanity safe right now? And do we see the real situation that is happening right now in the world? And do we actually realize the seriousness of the approaching threats? So today we will discuss these topics with our um, amazing guests. And dear viewers, please give a warm welcome to John Rosebush. CEO and President of the World Development Corporation, Michigan, United States. James Boyd Fuller, uh, President and CEO uh, of the World Alliance uh, for Planetary Health, Nonprofit Corporation of Louisiana, United States. And David Nair, Mentor to Corporate India Leadership, Founder of IXL Incorporated and Philanthropist. Welcome, dear guests, and thank you so much for finding your time and joining our today's roundtable. And right now, uh, we would like to start the roundtable with an excerpt from the conference, a really important video that is basically highlighting the most important um, global crisis that right now we are experiencing and, you know, these threats that are um, basically approaching to us with every minute. So let, let's watch the video. tremendous technical breakthrough in the world. Every day, neural networks are successfully replacing millions of people in all professions. The unemployment rate has reached a critical level. The planet's ecosystem is destroyed. The number of cataclysms is increasing every day. There are no safe areas left on the planet. 
it's already happening. But there is still a chance to change everything. Yes, every time I see this excerpt, uh, I understand how rapidly and how unexpectedly sometimes this cataclysm are happening. And it's uh, really this understanding that it's already happening, but we still have a chance. Yes, and uh, now I'd like to ask our guests uh, to share their expressions um, of the conference, what impressed them a lot and what, uh, how do they find relevant um, in their opinion, what is, um, how important is it to continue to discuss these topics that were raised on the conference? And I would like to ask uh, John Rosenbusch to start, please. Yeah, hello. First, I'd like to thank the Creative Society to allow me to appear on the roundtable. Uh, it's a great honor to, to be part of this. Uh, I, I watched almost all the Creative Society Uh, video, and uh, I was very impressed with Jason's, uh, the way he handled the uh, crisis within the world today. I learned some things which I I would not have thought I would have learned in, in that type of a video, but I did, and I think Jason did a great job on showing the issues that the world is facing today, humanity is facing going forward. I concentrate more on the science and the physical aspects to it than I do the social aspects. There's a great, but I believe both both sides to that, uh, both sides to the creative society are important. Matter of fact, I think they're the same importance, but the difference is if we don't solve the physical issues, then we there's no reason to even think about the social issues. And that's what the Worldwide Development Corporation is concentrated on. And today I'm hoping that we get an opportunity to talk about the solutions. I think he did a great job talking about the problems, but they were very limited about solutions. And I understand that because we don't really have that many today. So my conversation today, and I think James's too, because we know each other extremely well, we actually collaborate, will be concentrating on the solutions, which a lot of people haven't heard. And what we're really interested in is to have a large audience that where we can talk about them. And I think it's, it's uh, so we're going to look at the other side to this. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, this, this, this platform gives us a, Uh, uh, the ability to do that. So, again, I would like to thank you very much for inviting me here and giving me the opportunity to speak. So I'll go on to let somebody else speak. Thank you so much, Mr. John, and thank you for sharing your uh, sincere feedback of the conference. And it was really extremely interesting. And I'm sure that every person who watched it or who watched at least some part of it found some really interesting and very important information for themselves. And right now, I would like to pass the floor to Mr. James. Um, Mr. James, could you please share your impressions of the conference and what did you like the most or what inspired you or what was kind of shocking to you as well? Thank you for having me. Uh, creative Society, I believe, is uh, creative. You know, we need to... Uh, have solutions connected. How do we do that? Well, this is one of the ways. 
Uh, we, we put ourselves in the front line. Uh, we get criticized every day, but we know where we're going. And uh, these are the things that really matter. I mean, uh, happiness and humanity. How do you, uh, you know, describe the purpose of humanity? What is the purpose of our civilization? Uh, when you start asking these questions, you start asking uh, the solution and uh, the importance of that solution. So I've been for years, you know, I'm a naturalist. I've been for years understanding what's happening to nature. And uh, it, it's criminal, actually. It's very criminal uh, what we are faced with uh, at our own, you know, doing. And these things are proven now. We can't just say, no, we're not doing it. Yeah. You know, so this is uh, the point in time that uh, makes our reality come forward. It, it, it hits you right in the middle of the forehead that uh, defines uh, a drastic meaning that actually hurts us to think about it that we're in this point but there's solutions and john has one of them solutions um excellent solution i had in 2015 uh green sahara project going and it was to deliver enough water to the sahara desert to make it green i got the engineering all done everything would work out perfectly it costs a little bit costs much less than what uh, the benefits come from. Imagine a green oasis and that we need now. We need to start cooling the planet, uh, not by aerosol uh, planting in the atmosphere, things like these. The solution is to plant trees. And Brazil needs to stop cutting these trees. It's already becoming uh, out of control. It's becoming a desert. Another thing that will absolutely help us right now is soil remediation. Soil remediation. Ali Kavadi out of Turkey, he was Iranian born. I'd love to have him on someday, but we collaborate and he has a solution for soil using coal of all things, uh, putting microbial life back into the soil. So. That is a huge solution. Why is that a huge solution? Because when you have artificial fertilizers that kill microbials in the soil over time, you now have a huge problem that when the rain comes and all these things, that overturns, it, it uh, leaches into the waterways. Uh, the United States, Mississippi Delta is like 3,000 square miles uh all these farms using the fertilizer it, it, it drains into the gulf of mexico creating hypoxic zones okay this would all be so a solution with ali Kavadi's uh coal remediation pathway uh to helping it it, it will solve the nitrate problem going into these uh, out of these fields. So there's really great solutions ahead. 
if we now connect those solutions together. And uh, when we connect those solutions, humanity, you know, is, is, is a workforce. We are so great at working together once we begin to have a, a, a direction. And solving our purpose is that first point, uh, I believe, that will absolutely get us on the right trail, get us on the right path narrative to uh, put us in the right place where we need to be. This will tremendously help our, our uh, world, benefit the people, uh, increase food production a natural way, and um, heck, sky's the limit. You know, It will help the atmosphere, it will help uh, everything that is joined to it. That's called the earth. So these are the things I have on my mind. And uh, this is my direction. This is my, and I fully support John Rose Bush. Um, he has power generation that is unmatched, unmatched anywhere on the planet. He has it. And with that, I'll yield back to the other speakers. Thank you so much. And what we have uh, also realized from the conference that all these uh, solution and technological advances can be only possible and can be available for everyone uh, only in creative society because there is uh, conditions and foundation, all the resources can be available in a creative uh, society with its um, economy uh, system that allows to do that. Because if we can see right now that we have a lot of great technologies that are simply hidden, simply uh, underfinanced, or uh, they're uh, hit some problems with their real realization, and um, we know then and understand that all these uh, cataclysms that are happening also from the conference that they have a psychic nature, and it's also possible. Uh, to stop polluting our environment, but not possible to stop uh, the cyclic nature of uh, cataclysms. And uh, our technologies can help us a lot, and we will talk about it later. And now I'd like to ask uh, to share David Nair his uh, impressions about the conference, how you find it, what impressed you the most. Appreciate that, Alexandra. Thank you so much. And uh, let me move on. Before I start on my aspect of it, one of the key things I'd like to address is an organization such as a creative society is creating this awareness. That's the key point. Number one, the awareness needs to be addressed before we can tackle any solution. Unless you can show the problem, then you go ahead and tell about the problem, and then you look at how you can act on it. Coming from a strategic mindset, that's how I go through this process. So I applaud the organization for being a forerunner in this particular area of trying to ensure the public out there are aware of it. That's the first thing. Number two, we as human beings, I'm asking some questions as I go through this. We as human beings, are we really humane in what we do? Think about it. Why I raise a question like that up in the forefront is 
when I'm digging in the trenches with leadership around parts of India, UAE, South Africa, Australia, and Asia Pacific, I find there are turmoils and problems that are not addressed. It's good to find a solution. If you don't work with humans to get the system up here shifted, nothing is going to work. I can say that to you. I'll give you one example. A lady who was a policy advisor for United Nations was part of the leadership that we developed. Now, this lady was working with individuals in disaster areas where tsunamis have hit. And when she went in there to work with the leadership, meaning the tribal heads and the community organizational heads, she found, yes, a lot of the leadership would take things on, but they would not follow through and act on the actual solutions. Sustainable leadership was not driven. Now, by chance, by accident, what happened was she was in an area, I'll mention the country, Papua New Guinea and the Solomon Islands, where cyclones had hit that place. She decided to shift her approach and got through to some women folk, tribal women folk, and got them to start applying some of these practices. And surprisingly enough, when they pulled out of it, that sustained leadership continued and that particular village infrastructure was completed. They had water, they had homes built, shanties built, rebuilt, I mean. All because there was a shift in the thinking and the mindset. So we can continue to do what we are doing and hope to get a change, in my view, is not going to happen because that's the definition of insanity. What we really need to do is look at a different methodology on how this can be done. And that's why I take my hat off to the creative society to look at here is the problems we have. Now, let's put together the brains around the globe and say, how can we promote that to communities to see how they can then act on it? And that's my two components I'd like to address later in the segment of today's talk, because I think that ambit of it is not, not pushed heavily. And I've spoken to a few people within the creative community to, to explain this so they can start pushing some of these ideas. Because once you can move away from the awareness, which is important, keep doing that, but address this aspect of let me tell more about how can I fix it. One example I just gave you, and I'll give you two other examples of how uh, re-establishment of thinking has helped drug addictions out. Re-establishment of thinking has helped infant mortality rates to drop. Now, why am I talking about all of those? They are part and parcel of the oncoming generation that we need to cater for such that the community can be aware and nurture them to be a human being with humane qualities. I hope that's come through. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, dear David. And, you know, I was really impressed by what you said, by the fact that we truly need to bring this awareness to people. We truly need to let them know of what is the real situation right now in the world. What are the threats and the dangers that we are facing and experiencing in some places of the world right now? And what we all together as society, as one big human family, what we can do in order to fix everything and basically not just 
to fix, right? But to build something new, to build a new format of relationship probably between people, a new format of communication and interaction so that we could basically start creating, start implementing the best, the highest potential that all of us have on the inside. And mm. yes, thank you so much. And also I wanted to mention that one of the topics that was raised during the conference was rapid and exponential development of technology and artificial intelligence. And we know that uh, we have one of our uh, respected guests today who would like to talk about the actually development of technology and the technology of the future. So, dear John, could you please share with us your vision of technologies of the future and how these technologies can help us during the climate crisis that we are in right now? Yes, thank you. Uh, um, again, my name is John Rosebush. I'm the founder of the Worldwide Development Corporation. Over the last 15 years, I've, I've completed research on generating kinetic energy from river flow. And we, that's what we concentrated on. We concentrated on that because water is the most dense form of natural energy in the world today. Uh, we, I hear a lot of people talk about solar, but you can't capture it. It's not a dense form. The same thing goes with wind. Uh, water is very dense. So if we find a way to capture that kinetic energy, then that has the potential to generate a huge amount of energy. Well, we did. And uh, about 12 years into the research, which I totally self-funded, we come up with a new energy invention that can generate a huge amount of energy, and it doesn't require dams. It doesn't use turbines. It's brand new technology. And so then after we come up with a discovery, we spent the next two years transforming this new energy invention, the technology, over and over to where it is today. Now, I was invited to the United Nations where I went and gave a speech, and all I seen was politics. I was invited to the Department of Energy, and the Department of Energy said I could use any of their labs. only thing they were after was to steal it in politics. So what did I do? I, I then had to turn to social media. When I got back from the United Nations, I decided because of all the politics, I will create a challenge. And that challenge states that the Worldwide Development Corporation, has, uh, new energy invention, has the capability to power this planet 15,000 times over, 15,000 times over, for less or equal to 5% of the cost of wind and solar. Now, there's many other things within that challenge, that such as India, since David is from India, that I could show India engineers how to power their country 10,000 times over for, for less than or equal to 5% of the cost of wind and solar. I actually say on every continent, except Arctic and Antarctica, that this could, this could be done. Or actually, we could create at least 10,000 terawatts of electricity on that continent. Now, today, the world generates seven terawatts. Now, I realize that that, that amount of energy is, is insane. It would never happen. But I needed to express that within that challenge to show the capabilities of this new energy invention, even though it's shocking. 
99.99% of the engineers around the world think this is impossible. Well, we're willing to put our entire company at risk. We'll close up the company if we cannot pass that challenge. And we're not asking for money. So the, the holdup of the United Nations, we don't understand. James has been working with me. Neither one of us can understand why they're not taking on this challenge. There was a senior vice president of GE that contacted me about a year and a half ago and spent three months emailing me. They initiated it and calling me and emailing me, trying to figure out how this new energy invention works. Then they sent me to their top legal department. They turned me down. Their reasons were they have too much interest in other, other technologies that they cannot afford to, to go forward with a partnership. Now, that's pretty ins that's insanity to me. Uh, the, so far, the Secretary General has contacted me, asked me to send them a letter that they would send out to all the different countries, uh, member countries of the United Nations. I don't believe that's happened yet. Now, we're willing to put the entire company at risk and go home because our motivation is not money. Our motivation is to collect royalties from this new energy invention and to help poor countries and rebuild a middle class around the world. And I kind of got a feeling that special interests are afraid. And I posted it out there quite often. What are you afraid of? Someone said to me, I, I would just appeared on Indian national TV not that long ago. Someone said, well, how long will this take? I could be at the United Nations tomorrow morning and prove this. Now, the challenge states that the Worldwide Development Corporation can prove this from the materials that already exist. We don't need to build another prototype. We, don't, we got one. We don't need to do any of the other stuff that they talk about. All the engineering and all the other materials, the power projections, et cetera, are already done. I could appear at the United Nations tomorrow morning and show on the screen the, the 3D drawings, show them the prototype, and prove that the capabilities are here. And it would take a day or so to come up with the cost because they have to go through it. But we're willing to stand behind it. Now, that solves unlimited energy, solves almost all the major issues that I see on the creative uh, video, almost all of them. Let's 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 kind of go through what that would solve. Water shortages. First thing, climate change. No more smog. This is kinetic energy. It's it's kinetic energy. It's, it, it's you capture energy from water movement. No pollution. By the way, these new energy inventions are self-contained. They don't longer need a river. That was part of the uh, different transformations this went through. So imagine this could be located anywhere. In an island, in the middle of a desert, doesn't make any difference. They would operate the same way. So let's go back to what this would solve. Uh, climate change. We, we would reduce carbon tremendously throughout the world. Biomass would no longer be needed. We won't be cutting trees down for biomass. Uh, water shortages. The reason why we don't desalinate fresh water today, too energy expensive. So guess what? This is now cheap energy. So we could desalinate enough fresh water to turn the whole world into a water oasis. Now, desalination, you got to do it responsibly. What do I mean by that? 
uh, right now, they uh, uh, dispose of the brine close to shores. It's destroying the shorelines. But fresh water is how uh, it, it came into the ocean. That's, that's why we're having water shortages everywhere. So we should be able to desalinate the water, take that brine, and take it way out to sea where it has time to disseminate into the actual ocean. And it should not bother the ocean whatsoever. The concentration should not be have any problems. Uh, if we don't, when we talk, when we see your videos, you know, you talk about the North and South Pole, Jason did, which is a very good job he did, and that they're going to melt. Well, so are the glaciers around the world in, in all the different countries. And that will, once that they're gone, the rivers are gone. Now, how do we get fresh water? All the major cities were built around, around rivers. The other thing is 40% of the population in this planet live close to the oceans. If we can desalinate water, we can support them very easily. Matter of fact, we can desalinate enough fresh water to refill about 10 major bodies of water around the world that have dried up. The Aral Sea is an example. The largest fresh body of water in the world is dried up. Now, with, with this new energy invention, we can refill that and, and refill all the aquifers. We could turn our world into a completely water oasis. That's how powerful this and the types of solutions it can do. My view is no money should be involved. Countries should be involved. And the reason being is to eliminate the exploitation of this new energy invention, the, the intellectual property of it. By the way, we don't plan to build them and control this thing. That will be up to the people around the world. All the engineers, utilities, they're going to own them and they're going to build them. All we're after is to collect a small amount of royalties so that we can pass those royalties back to help poor countries and rebuild a middle class. I've been working with people from India for one reason. They need energy worse than any other country in the world. They have 1.4 billion people about, and which is four times the amount of uh, people that the United States has. They have a small land mass for that number of people, and they generate only one-third of the electricity that United States and China produces. They're starving for energy. There's their water shortages. They have uh, blackouts, planned blackouts. You imagine living in the United States and uh, you got energy from six o'clock till two o'clock in the afternoon, and then you don't have electricity for the next eight, 10 hours. That's how Indian people are living today. And water shortages, and, and half the people don't have plumbing. Now, we, could, we continue to think, and India is an intelligent country. You know, it's, 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 not a, 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 it's got third world people living in it, but India is not a third world country. Not at all. Matter of fact, there's some very intelligent people live in India. There's the medical profession and the IT profession counts on India. So imagine if they're in that kind of shape, what kind of shape Africa's in, South America, etc., Somewhere in the world, we have to be able to help poor countries to rebalance the world. And that's what the Creative Society is all about, rebalancing the world's wealth. And that's what, that's what the Worldwide Development Corporation is about. I don't know if we'll ever get rid of money. That's a Star Trek version of it. But the Creative Society goals is the same as the Worldwide Development Corporation's goals. Maybe we look at it a little bit differently, but not really. What we're after is to create a world where everybody has hope and a chance for prosperity. And that is exactly what the Creative Society is all about. And if, if, we, if we use money or if we don't use money, doesn't make a bit of difference. 
What matters is how people live and that there's respect and that human life is critical in this world. And I don't have all the answers on the social side. Matter of fact, I haven't even uh, went into that whatsoever. I have concentrated on the science. And I think James has to, has too for what, what the, the priorities that he has. And they completely go along with us. So, David, uh, your, your, your assistance with helping bring this to the world will be appreciated because what I just heard from you is extraordinary. Your, 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 your understanding of we need to, to define the problem before we can come up with a solution. It's one of the best things I've heard in quite a while. And so uh, that's an excellent, excellent uh, uh, thing to say. I'm going to stop because I could go on for three days talking about what the solution could do. But one last thing before I do that, just as important as generating energy is that we recycle oil products. And a lot of people say oil is horrible and everything. We have 7.8 billion people living in this world, projected to be 10 billion people. This world could not survive without oil. Petrochemical stocks, not for energy. Plastics is the most critical thing that we have today as far as products. It's not good in food. I grant it. And maybe we need to come up with more paper products and stuff. But think about everything else. Look at the computers you sit on. Everything. We could not create, we, we could not have a modern society without petrochemical stocks. And so not only do we need to quit using oil, which this new energy invention will do. By the way, we can generate alternative energy for the equivalent of 25 cents a gallon of of gasoline, 25 cents, almost unlimited uh, energy for transportation. But beyond that, if we don't recycle oil, and I mean all the oil products even, so we uh, try to reduce it down to nothing, a thousand years from now, we can't have a modern society. So uh, so the, the less oil we have, Right now, today, with the technology, the less the human can survive. Right now, if we could continue consuming it, BP predicts 47 years. But even if we get off that and we don't recycle oil products, we're still limiting the amount of time humanity has left. And I'd like to see humanity be able to survive for millions of years. And I'm sure the creative society, that's its goal, too. So I I thank you again for allowing me to uh, ramble on here. Uh, So thank you. I'll let the next person talk. Thank you, John. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's really interesting and really amazing uh, which technologies uh, are available already right now. And actually, a simple question arises, why uh, we are not using them? Why this happening that we still live uh, on these and y- using the same old types of energy and reusing and uh, trying to introduce this alternative energy and we talked about them intensively in the conference that it's not a solution at all all these uh wind plants or solar panels and etc but we are have another technologies and uh we understand that the format itself the consumerist format where the money and profit are in the position of power, it's uh, the main thing that uh, people are striving for, unfortunately. And we see that not the lives of persons, 
not life of you and me are in favor and are not on the first place, but money. And we understand that uh, creative society is exactly the solution for that. When you uh, exactly just change your goal, change your understanding, what should be the most important thing in the world, really the lives of people, then everything can be changed and all these uh, money fluxes and everything can be rearranged because you want to save more lives on earth and not to make more money for oneself. What, what do you need m- money for? Can you, it was also a very interesting question. Can you pay uh, how, or how much should you pay to the hurricane in order to stop it? It's a silly question, but it's uh, exactly points and towards uh, these um, ideas in consumerist format that everything is uh, uh, going around money, and uh, but not the life. And today we see that these uh, climatic cataclysms are increasing around the world. We see that uh, not even a single person are prepared to face them. Uh, even like very rich and developed countries of our planet are not ready for such ca- uh, natural cataclysms. And David, can you please... Um, let us know and what is the real situation with refugees now and what are these people affected by climate uh, by climate disasters and uh, maybe you can also have some um, uh, how these people are what are they facing and uh, what are the problems they're having right now you've asked me the question i missed the yes. sentence yes okay good um, one of the major challenges that a lot of the countries are facing, and, and John, um, yes, I, I am in India, but I travel back and forth from Australia. I'm based out of Australia. So for the last 20 odd years, uh, let me just address the part of Johnson. I'll get to the refugees. Um, for the last 20 odd years, I've been commuting back and forth into India, and I do, do concur with you. There is a lot of challenges with power. They have rationed power out to production. They've rationed power out to IT industries, to the hospital industries, and even when it comes to household consumptions. Not only is there rationing on power, but also on water. And I I, I kid my family in Australia saying that whenever I'm over back in India, I've just majored in a master's of business administration on water management because water is only allocated for X amount of hours per day. Okay? So those are two issues that are prominent out there. At the same time, what is prominent is with the global climatic change, issues are cropping up in different areas with crises such as cyclones, tsunamis, people are displaced. I'm not talking 100, 200,000 people. When I was in India, uh, when the uh, Japanese thermal power station was hit five, six years ago, we had something like 150,000 IT employees working in Japan and we had to relocate them back into India. And there was a crisis in trying to get them flights out. Imagine the social tension that the families coped with. That's the first thing. The second thing, 
they learned a huge lesson, our Indian uh, employees who were there working, and they were not just IT graduates, they're in senior positions. And they were saying one social study experience that they got from that community was this concept called discipline. And, I, and I'm saying sometimes this crisis can teach us a lot. One key thing that they learned from the Japanese community was this thing where when the crisis happened, in some of us Western communities where there was a lot of affluence, we would rush to the supermarket to hold things. It's happened here. When the pandemic is running, I notice whenever they say there's a lockdown here in Brisbane, Australia, or Sydney, or Melbourne, where I'm currently, uh, they rush to the supermarket to hold the toilet papers and ensure there's enough toilet papers in the home. I don't know why. Okay? But a lesson that the Indian graduates and employees in Japan learned was the Japanese, when there was a crisis, they turned around and they didn't rush to the supermarket to buy gallons of bottled water. They just went and took one or two or three bottles based on what their household needs are with the confidence and the faith that tomorrow the supermarket will replenish the store shelf with the water. Now, you might be wondering, why is David talking on simple things like this? Let me just relate back to one of the key players in the IT industry, Steve Jobs. When he went back to Nexus, his company, what did he do? He didn't turn around and ask them, let's produce something. He stopped everything and he said to his employees, go out to the supermarket and come back with a survey with items of what you think, where are the shelves empty? Because that's the area we need to target from a consumer perspective. Why did he want that? He wanted to turn around and look at what he can produce new rather than the old conventional ways in what radios and TVs and uh, whatever was happening. He produced the iPod, then all the iPhones and all the other things that came out, the gadgets that came out. That's great. But the whole shift took place because there was a behavioral change in the person, the employees. When my Indian, when the Indian employees came back to India, they themselves got that behavioral change into the family. They introduced this concept of you have to have faith in you, guys. You know it will be shelved, but they can't tell that in the Indian community because they, can't, they don't have the stockpiles of consumer items for them to say, okay, with faith, the supermarket will, will, will stack it up. Because the whole idea there is that mindset is not tuned yet to that. And the same way in an educated community like Australia, I'm saying, it's unfortunate, the first thing that they rush for is toilet paper. God damn it, there's more important things than that when you go shopping. I, I, I hope I'm, I'm coming through holistically, the behavioral aspect of an individual far supersedes what is out there when a crisis comes. They don't know how to cope. The mental resilience is not there. Like the NBL basket, basketball player, unless the ball is pumped up, it will not bounce back. So your mental resilience is not bouncing back. When a crisis such as a tsunami or a crisis such as an earthquake or a crisis... Whatever happens, cyclones, we don't know how to react to it. And what I'm saying is, as a community, if we bring that stability 
I used the term sustainable leadership earlier in my session. Here, bring that stability of ensuring their mindset is tuned to mental resilience, which means, like you know, if you need to get fit, you go to the gym, you go jogging, you go walking. How many actually do, I'm coming to basics again, basic daily practices, I call them rituals, to clear this thing and sustain that mindset to be tough-muscled in the time of a crisis and believe in certain things that it will happen with faith. Very few do that. Only a handful. And they actually climb up the top of the echelon in leadership. And that's what we need to bring through to our community. And that's the, that's the telling part of it. You see, unless we build a human, nothing is going to happen. When JFK took over the presidency in 1964, the first thing he did, NASA was there in existence, but they had no Apollo missions. He made one blunt statement. By the turn of this century, by the turn of this decade, I should say, correct me, by the turn of this decade, we will put a man on the moon. That was in 64. July 68, Neil Armstrong lands on the moon and puts his feet on the moon and says, one step for man, a giant leap for mankind. Now, that's the philosophy I'm talking about we should bring in. I hope this is coming through loud and clear. When we have that type of a mindset shift, people are the creators, guys. You can, well, when you talk about uh, artificial intelligence, today AI robotically is able to paint a picture and sell it on the market in the auctions for over $500,000. AI in Taiwan, Korea, and Japan has penetrated the music industry where now they have though Michael Jackson has left us, they have a virtual Michael Jackson on stage performing all of his dances better than Michael Jackson is doing or did. Now, we need to learn to cope with that better is what I'm saying. Are you, are you getting this whole situation, the scenario that we're coming through? The human being... Let me tell you this, guys. This temple, I call it, this temple is very powerful. Only if we know how to use it well. And we're not taught how to use it. That's my philosophy. We are taught how to go and get a degree, uh, a PhD, and, and all the things that we need. But we are not taught applicably what we need to put in place for sustainable, forget leadership. Forget mental resilience, but sustainable human being, so they become a humane human being. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, dear David. Thank you. You know, you had a really, really powerful speech, I can say. And thank you very much for your sincerity and for all the information provided so that people could, you know, truly think about that and make their um, conscious basically um ways out um and also you know i really when you, when you were talking about the fact that uh, people had to had to leave right had to go back to india and you know i was i was thinking like when we have some kind of natural disasters right um when something bad happens to some countries 
basically they are left on their own with this problem and basically they have to uh, cope with the issue by themselves and only when the issue starts to affect neighboring countries and other countries you know around those that region that area only then the uh, global community starts to help in some kind of ways and only then we start to think like oh we need to do something about this problem and what i'm what i'm leading you to is that in the creative society basically we will be able to form um an international uh i think group or international organization that will deal with all these climate uh cataclysms and natural disasters no matter where what country was affected by it because if we try to solve an issue together we can do it fast we can do it in a very effective and good way and we can save lots of lives and if we're trying to deal with the problem by ourselves then we have to spend a lot of time a lot of effort a lot of attention a lot of money and so on so what i'm saying is that we need to you know change this um vector of thinking i can say so that we are ready to save every human life on this planet only when we cherish the life of ourselves and the life of each person in the world then we as society can be called civilized then we as society can be called truly creative society and thank you so much for bringing up this this topic and i just wanted to ask you know this uh, quick question about the refugees like uh, what what is the real situation right now in the world and um we saw from the conference that right now we have i don't know millions of people migrating and looking for shelter but uh, we all understand that if we don't change anything in the world then billions of people will be will have to migrate will be in the, in that situation so could you please shed some light on on the topic of refugees and your opinion what what we can all do together to eliminate this issue if it's okay i'll start okay. on with that uh we're we're going to have mass migration if we're not careful for many many reasons water shortages food shortages conflicts pandemic uh and they're going to just increase uh uh right now we see that over a conflict but but uh the a lot of experts predict if if we begin to run out of resources which is what they would migrate over are for some other catastrophe like that but the experts predict there could be up to billions and billions of people mass migration we already see that coming up from Mexico into United States now over over humanitarian and and money issues and we see it overseas. I think David could input a lot more with the migration uh, over in uh the east and and within Africa etc. So I'm going to stop there for me. Um there there are two sectors when we look at my uh, refugee issues. Uh one is obviously the climatic refugee that we're talking about that's displaced due to climatic conditions. Uh, 
and and that's growing enormously as as and I don't need to sort of express that but on the other sector there are refugees that are displaced due to political reasons whatever the cause can be I'm not getting into the politics of that but these refugees that are displaced just think about it hmm? you are packing in a suitcase your whole life two or three undergarments two or three shirts two or three clothes and and carrying that with your family to a new country now unless the new country accepts them and i recall when i was based in malaysia i was born there so when i was based in malaysia as a, as a young teenager the vietnam war veterans they used to come to malaysia and thailand and singapore for rnr rest and recreation they called it now there were hordes of vietnamese as soon as the americans pulled out as soon as the australians pulled out hordes of them went on boats trying to find recluse elsewhere because they felt they could not live with the new regime and they were displaced a whole generation was displaced their kids today are prospering because mom and dad sacrificed to bring them to a foreign country whether it's australia whether it's malaysia whether it's canada whether it's uk that generation today are enjoying the fruits of that sacrifice the same thing i found when the issues of sri lankan refugees they had to migrate into europe and some of them through boat came into australia now if the government that's receiving them is not in tune and accepting them in other words not allowing them to come into the country they are sent back what is the status of some of them political asylum going back to their home country who will be aiming a gun at you in some cases to say you're not allowed back in here now that's the status of some of these refugees now subsequent to that you've got the challenges that have happened of recent times that has happened in the europe yes they can cause a problem but unless the receiving country does some issues fix it what needs to be fixed number 1 ensure there's low cost accommodation provided now if mr lee kuan yew back in the 60s was able to turn a fishing village like singapore into being a metropolis that is today one of the giant cities in the world heart of where a lot of global traffic consumer traffic is going through if he can do that back in the 60s when we didn't have as advanced computers and when we didn't have as advanced technology why can't we today do it with all of these things that we have at our fingertips is my question it's because we are not utilizing this brain power this human power that we have across the globe we are very fragmented in our thinking we are silo in our approach and i'm promoting one of these things that i say you need to be global in your approach think twice the think tank that we need to have put in place is to be globalized i'm running now masterminds in different countries from here with south africa yesterday 
being in these time zones, you know, it's what's it about three o'clock to three four two forty five a.m. in the morning. But we we will one day set these times of the day to fit them. But those masterminds are cranking. What can we do? How can we improve a quality of a person such that he can go ahead and play it forward for a better future for the next generation? That's the legacy I'm promoting. Are you getting that? That legacy of promoting this development of the individual. And what what were the what were the leaders of the sixties and seventies do? How did JFK think about you know putting a man in the moon? And today you've got entrepreneurs sixty years thereafter flying to Mars, <laughs> the Bransons. And 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 the point I make is that is possible if we channel. Now let me listen. Listen to this word. If we channel our resources, so we need. People, not just to create, with all due respect to the engineers, not just to create the engineering projects, but we need to re-engineer the individual's thinking process, such that we can holistically develop people, just as we have developed AI robots to go and do things, and get retrenched. For example, in China, I think, for my memory, uh, there was. One company, a mobile company called Tingju, Tingju. Ninety percent of the employees were retrenched. Ninety percent, because AI is taking it over. So I'm not just talking about refugees that are coming because of climatic conditions or because of political issues. I'm talking about now refugees in their hometown who are mentally being deranged because they don't have a job. They're sitting at home. Some of them commit suicide. That's being in a refugee situation. Yes, uh, really a lot of question. Yes, uh, there are really a lot of uh, issues, and uh, yeah, as we see that are um, also touched on uh, during the conference, all these uh, laws that we have r right now. Are we prepared uh, from the perspective of law to accept these people who will come from different countries in order to find a safer place for life? Are we prepared um, in order to really to help them, provide them all they need, all the necessary uh, necessities, really everything they need if, in order to live? And um, you also mentioned this situation with un unemployment. It's also like uh, it's trending right now, all these technologically advances that are uh, going faster and faster and this exponential growth. Uh, for one side of thing, it's uh, good because oh, we have uh, real uh, more quality projects, uh, products, and uh, it's really advancing. But people are like in job, and beside without job in uh, consumerist format, you are uh, you could do anything. You are just like without money. You, really, what 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 you can do? Just go to the village and uh, grow exactly. your own food. That's a very important question that we need to really address and think globally. And, um, and now I'd like also to ask uh, James the question with technological advances. So when we come already to a safer place, we also need to rebuild everything we need. So And it's also important. So maybe can you comment um, on this, James, please? Thank you, uh, Alexander. Um, the refugee 
problem. I, I'm connected with many, many people around the world. Um, Kenya, Cameroon, uh, South Africa. There's a trend. So what is our purpose? I, I'm getting back to that question again. What is our purpose and why do we act the way we do? Like David is hitting on this perfectly. David is asking this question. Um, what is this purpose of humanity uh, that brings clarity, uh, solutions, uh, reality that can be put into our minds? Now, when I came in uh, to this argument years ago, um, I started Green Sahara Project. Um, and that was to get water to the to the uh, Sahara Desert to create a new life for people that were migrating, actually. Um, and it's worked some. Uh, Dr. Joseph Steyer is planting the trees. He's doing the work out of Morocco. Uh, we still collaborate. Um, now, what's the importance? It brings a climate of hope, a reality of that hope. Now, it's, it's very dis difficult to uh, fund such things that are contrary to the mainstream. But we have done the legwork that has convinced some of the leaders to try a small project, seven quadrat project, 25,000 hectare each quadrat. Where are we getting the water? Well, he's running out of water. <laughs> My original idea was to take the water, 1% of the water from Greenland, and move it to the aquifers in North Africa. They're all conjoined, and they will fill with that 1%. There's billions of gallons under the Sahara Desert. But if we push more water in there that is being released from Greenland, it will raise the table of the aquifer, and it will overflow. We can overflow the aquifers and create springs, lakes, uh, reservoirs, everything for the conducive uh, beginnings of planting these trees. We'll have the water there. And guess what? There's mineral base underneath the Sahara Desert. All it needs is water. Okay? I've worked out the engineering. I've worked out, you know, uh, $800 million to do, you know, a small project to get the water to 1%. Now, how to do it? Coffer dams tethered to this, you know, uh, you know, people say, oh, that's, that's just crazy. No, it's not crazy. It's, it's a long-term solution. It's not crazy. <laughs> you know, it, it puts people to work. It puts people to hope. And it puts uh, a reality in the sense of urgency. Now, another thing, cashless society. Wow, that's a big one. How do we do it? See, this creative society is a main driver of reality. When, when go back to Green Sahara. I started out uh, stewardship principles generations for the six to eight-year-olds. Okay? This taught them about the environment. This taught to them about solutions. 
Let's talk to these children for uh, their futures and the implications of their futures. They need to know. Uh, did the program go through? They killed it because it was too good. It was too good for the children. It was too good for them to understand what they're going to be facing. Oh, that's that's they, they can't be learning that sort of thing. Um, you know, we need to break the barriers that hold us down. We are like a, a, a fast horse that when you let the reins go, he's going to go. And that's all we need is that little bit of uh, hope and reality that David is talking about, that John is talking about, our host Kate is talking about, Alexander, and all those listening. No doubt they're here for a reason, and they're doing uh, the best job they know how to do. But we need to direct that. And David has that key. David is a key. He said there was one million out of uh, out of a million, there may be one that thinks the way we think. Now, if we get a million people to think and pass that on, then we've done our job. Then we've done our purpose. Then we've solved for the the purpose, and we could be on board for that. Now, the billionaire, let me just say something here. Last year, there was 2,055 billionaires, okay? During the pandemic, there was added 660 billionaires. What is this telling us? This is insanity. This is pure insanity. How much does one billionaire take up in resource? See, the reality of this, it's unsustainable. Totally, it's totally insanity. Now, the reality of our purpose needs to come forward and come to the front. We don't want to hurt the billionaire. We don't want to hurt the flow of economics. We want to create the future. Uh, the creative society is doing it. It's, it's, it's rearranging what is wrong and putting in place what works. Now, what's wrong with that? Nothing that I can understand is wrong with it. It's logic. It's logic. And uh, our children will see and hear and understand if stewardship principles ever got off the ground, um, it would be, you know, David, you, you no doubt has already got head start on that. That's excellent. I'll give you my information, you know, uh, for some of the programs, you know, that would be, you know, it's great to have us talking now, you know, uh, I've not had an audience, you know, that will understand the implications. Now, there's something that I have to say here also. Um, it's very concerning, very troubling. Uh, the, some of you may know about it here. The reality of the Arctic, there's a cap on the hydrates up there. Now, these hydrates, it was 25 feet. Before that, it was 70 feet thick, the cap. It's now 10 feet thick. 
in some places. Okay. The shelf off of Russia is it's think about trillions of, of tons. This isn't pounds or this is tons of hydrate methane. Okay. I'm talking about methane. The science on this, I've been watching very closely. The science on this is very disturbing. If that ever gassed, if that ever broke through and began to gas, it would create a vacuum. It will cause the atmosphere to draw the warm air to the north. Imagine if that happened. Okay, trillions of tons of gassing in a short period of time. Now, that's, that's just, you know, can that happen? Absolutely, it can happen. When will it happen? We don't know. It may be 20 years. It may be 10 years. It may be 50 years. One thing is certain, it will happen if we continue the direction, the pathway. Narrative that we are, are putting forward for our children. Uh, don't be a billionaire. No, that's not right. Don't be a, a multimillionaire. This is a brave new world that we're talking about that is going to uh, explicitly map out truth, map out understanding. There's no lies in understanding with the truth. When you see the reports, the IPP, the IPCC report that I just read, my face dropped. You know, COP26, the last, the last real uh, hope. Come on. The last real hope. Let's let's change this narrative that puts us ahead in the hope uh, region. <laughs> the hope region is what humans are all about. We have hope to become rich or we have hope to become uh, solidary or we have hope to do something good for our planet. Uh, the society, the creative society is doing this to create not millionaires, billionaires, but to create the reality of how we need to proceed forward in a solution base. David, I put, I salute you, brother. You know, excellent, excellent uh, way to go, you know, for the brain aspect of coming into the reality aspect uh bringing that to the front amen to that uh, with that i'll yield to y'all thank you so much dear james and you know i really really enjoyed the fact that you mentioned our kids you mentioned the fact that we all understand we're all our conscious people right we understand that um after we move to another i don't know shape or state or just pass away right it doesn't matter who believes in what things uh, but our kids will stay on this planet and if we right now do not solve the issues that we are facing nobody knows but um i think that there will be nothing to fix after us because you know taking a look at how drastic this climate change is going on right now. These changes are, you know, they happen unexpectedly in unusual places. 
where you would never expect the things to happen. And, you know, understanding that we need to all together, we need to unite and change the format of our interactions, the format of our society. Because if we continue to consume, if we continue to fight for those papers, basically, what are money? Just papers, right? Then we'll basically destroy each other. We'll, we are already on the verge of, ex of extinction because um, if we do not place on the first place the human life, his and her best moral values, best qualities, best talents, if we do not cherish that up, if we do not support that, then we are in a very, very not comforting and not good position. And during the conference, we've seen a lot of information, a lot of facts that were voiced by respected scientists from all over the world that stated that this crisis that is happening right now and is approaching in even more uh, power and force will affect every one of us without exception. Everyone will be affected and we are affected already. We just don't mention it or we're affected not in, in not that scale as we think we, we can be. So right here, reasonable questions arise. Are we actually ready for such changes? You know, in the consumer format of society, are we ready to face those climatic changes, those natural disasters, those situations that are basically the consequences of what is happening? I mean, the refugees and so on. And the answer is no. In the consumer format of society, we are not ready for it. And we've seen the examples of, you know, with the Europe and so on. So right now, um, summing up the topic of, of climate, um, I would like to suggest us watching um, a video excerpt from the conference that will give more information to our viewers who might not have watched the video the, the conference yet so that they get the understanding of how serious the situation is right now so i would ask our technical support to turn on um, the video on the topic of climate and uh, the full version of the conference you can find on the website alatreunites.com summer of 2021 fires floods hurricanes, and abnormal heat waves. What is happening to the planet? You are used to hearing that global warming on the planet is due to human activity. The truth is, the problem is much more global than that, and it is rapidly gaining momentum, and there is nothing we can do to control it. The reasons for what is happening are within the planet, which has entered a period of global cataclysms. nucleus. In 1998, a drastic shift of the planet's core was recorded. After that, the gray satellites and instruments on the Earth's surface 
detected an abnormal expansion of the planet at the equator, as well as heating from the inside. Because of the displacement of the core, it is unbalanced. With its vibrations, it creates shock waves, which are manifested on the surface of the planet by increased earthquakes and cracks on the Earth's surface. Through these cracks, a large volume of water escapes into the bowels of the planet. Molten magma rushes to the surface and heats this water. The water evaporates and escapes into the atmosphere. These enormous masses of water fall down in the form of sudden torrential rains. As the planet expanded, new continental rifts began to form. The number of volcanic eruptions increased. Significant tsunamis, including catastrophic ones, tornadoes, tropical storms, and hurricanes became more frequent. Floods and wildfires have become part of the daily news. Since 2015, the situation has become even worse. And today, the deformation of the planet continues to escalate enormously. Earthquakes. Earthquakes with magnitudes greater than 8.5 have increased dramatically over the past 20 years. Since 2003, synchronization of seismic noise began, which means that the Earth is preparing for a mega earthquake. According to scientists, it will occur in the Japanese archipelago and will have a magnitude of more than 10, which is 32 times stronger than the 2011 Tohoku earthquake of magnitude 9. Entire countries could disappear from the face of the Earth at any moment. Volcanoes. Since the beginning of the 20th century, the number of powerful volcanic eruptions has doubled as a result of growing internal energy of the planet. There has also been a steady increase in the strength of eruptions and the amount of ash and lava that has been released. Today, about 600 million people live near active volcanoes, capable of destroying entire cities at any moment. And every day, the probability of these events is only increasing. Glaciers. Greenland and Antarctic glaciers are losing three times more mass than 30 years ago. We are told that global warming is the cause. We are not told that the glaciers are melting from the bottom up because of the intense release of heat from the Earth's interior. For example, Antarctica is only melting on the west side where there is a huge magma chamber. Greenland's glaciers are shrinking for a similar reason. Obviously, man has no influence on what is happening. World Ocean In 2019, the temperature of the world's oceans rose 0.075 degrees Celsius above average. This may not seem much, but in fact, the numbers are catastrophic. The energy for such heating is equivalent to the explosion of three and a half billion atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima. And this energy came from the very bowels of the Earth. Melting of the sea ice and expansion of the warming water has caused the sea level to rise by almost 15 centimeters in the last 30 years. And this is just the beginning. There has also been an increase in the number and power of storms, as well as a significant acceleration of currents. 
hurricanes, tornadoes. The year of 2020 broke all records for the frequency of hurricanes and tropical cyclones on the planet for all time. Because of increasing humidity and rising temperatures, the intensity and number of tornadoes has increased. They have become more frequent where they used to be rare. Since the 1950s, the number of tornadoes in Europe has increased tenfold and continues to grow. Temperature anomalies and records. According to the data prepared for the IPCC report on climate change, over the past 140 years, the average temperature on the planet has risen by one degree Celsius and by three degrees Celsius in the Arctic. And we can already see the catastrophic consequences right outside the window. The period since 2000 has accounted for 19 of the 20 hottest years on the planet in the history of meteorological observations. Floods. Floods are one of the most common natural disasters that are also growing in strength. 60 years ago, only eight major floods were recorded per year. However, in 2020, this number increased by 25 times and totaled 201 cases. Moreover, they began to occur synchronously, affecting several countries at once. <laughs> According to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, the number of floods in the U.S. has increased by approximately 100% over the past 30 years. Between 1998 and 2017, floods affected more than 2 billion people worldwide. There's so many people dead! Yes, everything we see right now and everything that was discussed during this conference may be terrifying. And, um, you know, when uh, our team who are actually preparing uh, this part of this uh, conference, uh, the climatic crisis, when they studied it in detail, you also get a really scary, complete picture of what is going on with our planet. And it, what's, uh, what is even worse that our ecological situation right now also adds more to it. And it uh, was an old uh, saying that if you mention that you are riding a dead horse, you need to ch change it. And our planet right now, with all this environment, with all this pol pollution that we have right now in oceans everywhere, is like a dead horse. But the issue is that we cannot change it. We have only one home. And uh, the good news is that we still have a chance, a chance to survive, but only together. You know, it's uh, really very important right now to really understand it, what is going on, to have this complete picture, what is going on with our environment, what is going on with climate situation. And this understanding should strive you to, in order to really act. 
and uh, act in order to build the creative society. You may ask uh, us, what, mean, what do you mean by build creating a creative society? Everything is already described many times. For two years, uh, we as participants of Alatra International Public Movement are talking about creative society, and we have a platform, alatraunites.com, a website where you can read a lot of articles about it and learn about eight foundations and learn more about how to build creative society. And the first step in building creative society is informational step. When you inform other people around the world about uh, the situation right now uh, that we have, and you also tell uh, that there is a way out that you can by doing this action, by really bringing people together, we are able to unite and to explain that we are able to build this creative society. And I would like to ask our guests uh, to tell us more about it. What, they, what do they think about it? How it's important and vital to tell others the truth, what, what is going on, and to inform about uh, the situation, about the creative society that we have. Please, I would like to uh, ask John, can you please uh, tell us how vital this, this global unification around the world and uh, how this unification of human potential and scientific potential can help us to survive? Hi. Uh, before I talk about that, I, I'd like to thank you again for the opportunity. This program has been wonderful. I've learned so much from David Muir, James Fuller, and I know I'm hoping the, the hosts have too. This has been a, a wonderful hour and a half that I've spent here. The Creative Society believes in, uh, you know, some of the things like uh, no money. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but it, it, it believes in a balanced society, and I believe in that totally. And it also believes that we should not be driven by consumption, and I agree with that totally. So there's major pieces of creative society that I think, if implemented, will create a much more healthier a world with full of hope and stop the greed. And today, the world's driven by greed and consumption, and, and everybody's well aware of it. Uh, James talked about the number of billionaires that grown. Well, what happens is then the priorities of the, of the planet get skewed. Uh, you know, if we look at Bill Gates, he's a billionaire because of computers. Well, he tries to be involved in everything. And so, and his priorities are not what, what we should be concentrating on. So there's benefits to billionaires, but there's huge drawbacks. And with a consumption society, think about it. We have a consumption throwaway society based on fossil fuels. We need to have an alternative energy, recyclable sustainable society and we can't have that with a consumption society that's for sustainability so not only does it affect the social side of the creative society it affects the physical side of the creative society we don't want that so uh you know again i go back to looking at the physical side you guys look much more on, a, on the social side you concentrate on but it affects both sides you know, I'd like to just say one thing. Without the, uh, the Worldwide Development Corporation's energy invention, 
I don't believe today we have the technology to have a sustainable planet. I think the actual survival of the human race depends on this new energy invention being implemented. Now, some people might say that's an overshoot. It's not. Wind and solar is ineffective. We're consuming oil at an unprecedented rate. BP predicts 47 years remaining. So it's, it's, uh, this isn't just about cheap energy. This is about the actual survival of the human race. And I totally believe that. And I think if you take a look at uh, the challenge, it says unlimited energy, 100,000 terawatts of electricity. There's no other company in the world that would ever put a, a challenge out there. This new energy invention makes anything possible anywhere on the planet. I thank you again for allowing me to be on your show. Thank you so much, dear John. Thank you for everything that you do and for giving this bright and good example to our kids, probably for sure. You know, this strive for uh, doing something for the society and contributing to society for the benefit of everyone. And right now, I would like to pass the floor to Mr. James with pretty much the same question. How do you think is it's important to, you know, bring this truth to people about the climate situation, about the reality that we are in right now? Um, and how important is it to bring people together and communicate this message to them? Thank you, Kate. Um, <laughs> it's imperative that we as a species, as humanoid, as humanity, it's imperative that we find the journey ahead together. If we do not find that, we will perish. And there is no question in my mind. Togetherness, even in the cave days, relied on togetherness. Where did we lose that? David has begun that, um, you know, pathway, uh, education-wise. That is a absolute key to our survival, what he's brought into the picture. Now, the reality of uh, creative society is a, um, is a push for humanity in hope, bringing back the humanity, bringing back love, charity, compassion, strength, power. Um, how else do we define, you know, what human beings are capable of? Now, we've had wars in the past. We said, oh, we'll never do that again. But it looks like we will uh, because we have greed. And I don't like talking negative. Um, I don't think it serves a very good purpose anymore. It used to, you know, when you, you, when you start out, you need negative to get to the positive. But we've had enough negative. Um, Creative society is a positive influence and, and force with the truth behind it. 
the truth that builds reality, the truth that builds uh, compatibility, the solution and communication of that solution is what we're bringing here. Uh, that to me is very logical. I'm just, I'm an engineer. I just think logically, you know, uh, <laughs> it's just something inherent in me that, that puts forward, you know, the lowest common denominator, which we're headed on a deaf uh, path. That's the lowest common denominator. How we get off that deaf path? See, David's one of those. John's one of those. Kate's one of those. Alexander's one of those. Uh, I'm one of those. Well, what is one of those? Humanity. Reality of humanity. Uh, going back to stewardship principles, generations, for the six to eight-year-olds. Oh, not, let's not just plant a seed. Let's plant a miracle into their minds that get them thinking. <laughs> what is thinking? See, uh, thinking is that point of reality where they find joy in doing something positive. Now, getting rewarded for that? Sure. What is the reward? Fixing the planet? Well, is that a good enough reward? I would think so, yes. Absolutely. Uh, I just put it in them simple terms. I'm, I'm no uh, great, kinetic, you know, powerful speaker, but I, I know the reality that's ahead of us. It's, um, it's got to change, and I think creative society has the positive uh, upper hand for our futures because we're together on this. We're together in this. And we're on the same page. Same page needs to be learned. And we're learning that page. Um, that page is so important step to do. It cannot be overemphasized. Cannot be overemphasized. That important step. Together we stand. Divided we fall. That's a simple, you know, that's just the way I put it. Uh, if we cannot put ourselves together then we're faced with a real dilemma. That's not good. <laughs> and uh, we need to do it today, not tomorrow. We need to do it. This is urgent. This is very urgent. Uh, what you've all put together here is extremely wonderful in my mind. Uh, the possibilities going forward are extremely uh, wide and good. Uh, it's, it's, I cannot explain, you know, in just a short time I have, I could go days, but, uh, if I was to filibuster something, I would say, let's filibuster the wrong thinking and enter the right thinking. Um, David is a good part of that. Like I say, again, I, I can't say enough about David because man, he puts hope in my heart. You know, it's, uh, it's something in day, uh, John, he puts hope in my heart. This is what we need. We need the truth. And uh, this is the platform. The Social Creative Society is the platform to do this. Uh, I'm fully supportive of it. And uh, 
I, I believe in it very much. And with that, I'll yield to Thank you so much. Uh, John, I think we have some technical issues, but yeah, thank you so much for your sincere words. It's uh, really touching my heart as well. I mean, um, everything that we understand that we are able and we have this chance, and who, if not us, really who, who, if not us, can build this world, stand together and with all these understandings and all these possibilities that we have right now, just be together, be united, and act. And I would like to ask uh, David about how it is important to act exactly right now, not tomorrow, not day after tomorrow, but exactly start with the decision today. How it is important. Can you please... Wow, uh, Alexander, before I just go down, let me just thank each one of you. This has created a mastermind here. I don't know if you realize it, John, James, Alexander, Kate. Um, I really appreciate being in your presence. Decision, as the Latin word says, decry, to cut. You cut and you move on. Now, so we have to make a decision to realize we need to cut and we move on. But as we do that, I am a firm believer, we need to communicate. And this, in my view, cannot be enough said. And I define communication this way. Communication in any relationship, any relationship, it's like blood to life. You take blood away from life, what happens to life? Life will die. You take communication away from a relationship, what happens to a relationship? It will die. Therefore, for this creative society to surge forward, there is a few things we need to look at. Key element is focus, focus, focus on people and ensuring there is constant development and hope given to them. Like what James said, hope. I don't know how you spell hope, but I spell hope, H-O-P-E. It's an acronym to me. Help other people evolve. So therefore, we need to now crystallize this in our mind. We need to give that hope by communicating effectively some of these issues that we have and not just sit on it like a dog sitting on a nail and howling for the next hundred billion years to say there's a problem. We've got to get out of it. And we've got to turn around and say to the community out there, hey, listen, there's a problem. You fix you first and let's collectively fix ourselves and then find a solution for the problem. And the solution being, well, there's climate change. Hey, for crying out loud, my farm last month had snow. And we never had snow in it. Where did that come from? So the point I make is, we need to realize we have borrowed this land from our children. It's not ours. We got to make sure we can give them something back. We don't want to give them an arid ground. This is not on. We have a responsibility. 
So the hope we talk about needs to be steered around that. And I like, I like what you said, John. And unless we have a why for each person, it doesn't work. So we instill this why in people. Destiny is a matter of choice, not chance. So when we understand that and we drive this hope with people and kids will understand that from the infant age, we bring this up. Get the, get the artificial intelligent robots to teach our kids better. If the teachers are not good. Whatever it takes, there is a brain of people out there to think and do it. Let's go ahead and do that. Therefore, by so doing, we can convert this creative society into a model society that will take care of not giving the children the land that it is going to get now, an arid ground, a flooded ground, a toxic ground, but giving them something that they can say, oh, my dad, he left me that. Oh, my mom, she left me that. Some form of legacy, a life of significance. That's what I'm talking about. Give them hope. Help other people evolve. That's what a creative society is all about. And, and when you think about it, we cannot live in silos. We are one race. You have to remove the silo mentality. There is, in, in my view, I'm a firm believer of this. You know, religion is a man-made label. So there's no religion either. The fundamentals of all religion is love, as what James was talking about. Let's go and start promoting that damn thing, man. And then from that, build people strong to say, you are responsible to do this. You are accountable to do it. And then put in all the machinery that needs to be put in place for, you know, there are a lot of brainy people, much better than I and John and James, you know. Let's pull them all together. But you have to understand, to pull them together, you need to learn to communicate. <laughs> Unless you communicate, you cannot pull them together. And when we communicate, we build rapport. And when we build rapport, guess what's happened? Tsunami of human race grows. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you so much, dear David. Thank you for, you know, this wonderful acronym. I, I, you know, I, when you were talking, I was writing it down because it's so amazing. And it just fulfills everything in the meaning of the word itself. And yes, and I also really enjoyed the fact that you mentioned that we borrow this land. We borrow this planet Earth from our children. And we have to make sure that we make it even a better place, even a more beautiful, more healthier, more cleaner place for them. And also, I wanted to say that, you know, right now we see that people around the world, they are waking up. They are starting to realize and understand uh, the whole situation. And the conference Global Crisis, this already affects everyone, shows how important it is, how vitally important it is to bring these topics up and to talk about this global crisis that we are experiencing. And we need to be informed because if we're not informed, if we don't know what is the true cause of the, of the problem, or if we don't know that, the, that there is a problem, then 
there is nothing to solve. And then we're just blind, like blind kittens, right? So this is up to us right now. And this is truly a matter of choice. What we as humanity decide to do, whether we grow up and make this conscious choice to unite and to solve all these issues together or the opposite. And I truly believe that we will choose the, the first option because, you know, the second one is, it's not an option for sure. So I just wanted to also to address to our viewers uh, and to make a short announcement that we, we saw that the, the conference Global Crisis, this already affects everyone, made a huge resonance. A lot of people who watched it were, you know, shocked and also amazed by the fact by the fact what we as humans are capable of and what we can do by uniting so that is why we decided to host another international conference global crisis time for the truth that will be held on the platform of Alatra International Public Movement on the 4th of December 2021 and we gladly invite everyone to join it to watch it, it will be broadcast on all of different available platforms over the internet. And we see that today our world is changing at such a tremendous pace and the climate crisis is growing so fast that it, is, it, it becomes obvious for everyone right now. And only by uniting, only by coming together can we overcome these challenges. And building creative society for every human being on the planet Earth is the only solution. Communicating with each other, uniting with each other, and supporting each other. This is the only way for us to survive. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining our today's roundtable. Thank you for bringing up these important topics. Thank you for sharing your ideas and for all of the information that we, uh, you know, talked about today and for this enriching experience for all of the participants of the roundtable, I'm sure of that, and for all of our viewers. And right now I would like to pass the floor to Alexander. Alexander, the floor is yours. Yeah, thanks. I would also like to um, thank our guests and our viewers. And if you have some uh, insights or if you want to share uh, your understanding that you have uh, after this roundtable, or if you watch the conference and also would like to share it, not only uh, with your friends, but uh, you can also make uh, upload a video to the YouTube and share it online, please do so. We have a flash mob where uh, we ask people to watch at least one, one hour of the conference and share their understandings. What do you find important? What do you find interesting? What is really uh, vital to know uh, to all the people uh, in your neighborhood? And as we see today, the building of creative society is our common goal. So if you're not yet registered at uh, alatreunites.com, then please do so. Go to the website, click the join button.
Yes, the more people will know about creative society, the faster we can make this change. Thank you so much.